you know, as you look at this, you know, here this evening, I want to, you know, a lot of times when I preach to the teens, you know, and parents ask me to preach to their teenagers, they're like, you know, go ahead, Brother Adrian, don't hold back. Man, do it, do it, do it, preach them, brother. And then they get to the adults and they say, now let's not get crazy. Now, <laughs> now you, know, you know, you better be gentle than not. And I, I don't want to shortchange you at all, but I do want to be a help. I don't want to be, you know, I know that my, sometimes my style might lend to be, I'm not trying to be obnoxious or anything, but I don't want you to walk out of the building saying, what was he trying to say? What exactly was the point from the Word of God trying to be made? And I do pray that tonight will be this will be that. You know, we're going to be looking this evening in the book of Luke, chapter number 14. Luke, chapter number 14. You know, as you turn there to Luke, um, one thing about myself, even as I was growing up, one thing I always loved is I've always loved preaching. I love listening to preaching. I love talking to preachers. I mean, it was just, it literally was. It was it was in my blood. I mean, for our entertainment, for my friends when I was growing up, my teenage friends, our, I mean, people would talk about, have you heard this artist or this musical album? We didn't do that. We said, we would sit around and say, man, have you ever heard this sermon by this guy? Have you ever heard this sermon? I mean, it, it just was what we did, you know? And like I said, I'm not saying that we're super spiritual. It's just that was what we enjoyed is hearing preaching. And I remember as many times as I listened to preaching and, and I would hear when that was really effective and that I, I enjoyed that. And even when I went to college, my job was I was a sermon editor. I worked at the radio station. And when I went to the radio station, every sermon that was preached behind the college pulpit, I began to take it and I began to prep it for radio. And so during that job, I listened to a ton and a ton of preaching. But as I listen to this message right here by Jesus, it's very interesting what he does. You know, Jesus had a large crowd of people that were following after him. And as these great herds of people following after him, this is what we would call, in our layman's terms, he would say this was the Sunday morning crowd. I mean, he had the big event. Man, they were coming out of the woodwork because he had done all these miracles. He had done some amazing things. But then Jesus preaches a very, very short message, and he weeds them out. And any person in Bible college, when they look at that, is like, you don't preach your hard, hard one when you got all the guests there, you know? You don't preach your like you're one that's like really super convicting when you have all these potential followers. You could have some pretty incredible numbers if you just kind of, you know, not pander, but don't get kind of silly about this matter. Now, I, I want to read what, what Christ said that thinned out the crowd. Now, I want us to think about it here this evening. Luke chapter number 14, verse number 25. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yet his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whoso does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and not able to finish it, now all that behold it again began, began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going forth to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sitteth in ambassadors and desire conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. 
Let the salt have lost its savor, where it shall be seasoned. Is it a fit for the lamb, nor yet for the dunghill, that men cast it out? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, there are great people in this room. There are gifted people in this room. Well, I thank you so much as it's already been acknowledged, Lord, many of them using their gifts for you. Lord, I certainly do pray, Lord, that tonight that it wouldn't be just me saying words that we nod our head to, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would control these lips, Lord. Take out of my mind thoughts that ought not be there and things I ought not say and help me, Lord, to be totally yielded to thee. Lord, preparation is wonderful and all these other things that prior to today I've done that are good things. But, Father, it's nothing in comparison of just being totally, Lord, just submitted to your Holy Spirit to say the things you'd have me to say. Well, I pray, Lord, that you would just help the heart to hear, Lord. Their fatigue is a factor. Lord, it's been some busy days. It's been a busy weekend for many. Many have cooked and many have cleaned and stayed late and done many things. So I, I pray that you give energy and strength to those. Lord, I pray for those that come with a very heavy heart here this evening. And I don't know what their needs are. And, and, and as a pastor, this, I'm not a pastor of this church, but I do know that there's many things that probably take place. There might be some that are getting ready to lose jobs or some that, that are just having financial difficulties, Lord, health issues. Lord, there's a number of different things. I don't know them all, but Lord, I pray that you take your word and begin to meet the needs of Lord that I don't even know about. But I do certainly pray as well, Lord, tonight that you just, Lord, convict my heart as well about this matter about counting the cost. I pray that we would truly be able to sing at the end of this, at the minute, and this message, Lord, I surrender all. Lord, I thank you so much for everything you've done and will do to me and, my, and myself and fill me with thy spirit. It was in Christ's name you pray it all. Amen. You know, it's very interesting in our, our society today. We, we, we respect numbers and there's nothing wrong with them. But you begin to see with numbers taking place here with Jesus. I mean, he had what many consider to be success. I mean, he had great throngs of people following him. I mean, he would go. He couldn't even go anywhere. In fact, at one point, he tried to get away from everybody. And after he fed like 5,000 people, whatever it is, he tried to get away. And then after he tried to get away, another group of people met him at the coast there. And he tried to get away again. So, I mean, it's not like Jesus struggled to get a crowd. He got a crowd. I mean, the miracles that he did and everything that was done, he was able to get people around him. But then you see something that takes place, though. That Jesus says, you know what? Instead of just having a crowd, instead of just having a bunch of people, where are disciples? Where are true followers of me? And he looks back at that crowd and he steps up high. He says, I know that you all are following me. And then he says, there are some things that if you want to be my disciple, and if you truly want to follow me, all right, all right, let me tell you something you ought to do. He has three things. He says three things that if you don't do this, you cannot be my disciple. He says in verse 26, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I understand as we read this, obviously Christ is not looking over these people and telling them that they should harbor animosity to those whom we say we care about the most. In the English language, the word love is used for everything. I, I love cars. I love my dog. I love my wife. I love pizza. You know, we use love for everything, don't we? And so many times when Jesus is saying, let me explain to you what this comparison is love of what I'm talking about. Let me put love over here. And let me put hate over here. Now, you love your family. You love your wife. You love your kids. Now, here is the standard. Now, that love that you have for your family. Now, listen close. And when it's 
stands beside the love you ought to have for me, it'll look like hate because you love me so much. Say, why would Christ ask that? You mean you could have people that are inside of that room. I mean, you got guys, if I were standing in that crowd and I was following after Jesus and I looked around, I tell you where my mind would go. My mind would go to my mom. Oh man, when I'm growing up, man, my mom, I, I love my, my mom. I'm a mama's boy. I mean, growing up, man, I was the one that tucked under mom and during church and she would always have my arm around me and I would begin to think and see the pictures in my mind and I'm thinking, if I'm going to follow after you and if I'm going to give it all to you, now I love her and it's hard to explain how much I love her and then I look at you you're going to be so superseded the love I have for him than even for my own mother I, I think of spouse I thought of my wife you know I got married at 25 and I thought that was 10 years too late <laughs> you know I did and I remember man I waited for her I thank God for her I begged God for her I fasted and prayed and, and said God lead me in the way you'd have me to go and, and not many people be willing to do what we do in the ministry and many people wouldn't do what my wife is willing to do but then I think to myself that wife that you have so given to me a gift of God I love her so much but now you want me to love you so much more <laughs> my kids man, I didn't even know I could love people that much it's just like, you want to go to heaven early? Go ahead and mess with my kids. I'll make sure you get there. You know, you think to yourself, it's like, wow, the love, the extra part of you that even grew to be able to love another person that much. What he's doing is, as Jesus is talking to these people in this crowd, he wants them to understand that, listen to me, one day mama might not be so happy about your decision to follow after Christ. One day daddy might not be so happy about your decision that you ought to preach. Maybe somebody is not going to be so happy about it. And you've got to go ahead and know from the get-go that if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you love them, but you love Christ more. You care about them, but you love Christ more. What he's saying is, hey, look, I'm glad to have a crowd, but a crowd is meaningless if there's no disciples within the house. You know, I think to myself, what do I love? You know, a pastor gave this in, in illustration in context of missions conference giving. And I'm not talking about giving necessarily during this message, but he said in context of that, he said, take everything that you have, that you spend money on in a month and you put it on one sheet of paper. And people that say they cannot give to missions or whatever the situation be, he said, you take things off that list because finances 101 says, my friend, you you got to take something off the list if you're going to afford something else, you know. He says, the thing you take off the le- take off first is the thing you love the least. If you can't spend money on everything, the thing you love the less, well, that will go off first. Now, I think to myself, and I think about my time in the day, and I am crunched, and I am crunched for time, and I don't have a time to get everything in. What's the first thing to go? Is it Christ? Oh, but, but we always sit together and watch this show. But we all, I just can't just bear not listening to the next chapter or reading the next chapter of my book. What's the first thing to go? Think, remind me, the thing I love least is a thing that will go first. What he's saying is, hey, look, you follow me. Great, great, great. But you, not my disciple. Not my disciple. He continues. He says in verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
You know, it's very interesting because I think every person, especially if you're a businessman in the house, man, that nothing great comes without a sacrifice on somebody's part. Either somebody has sacrificed before you or something's taken place. You know, this church that you have here, there were sacrifices that were made for you to be able to sit here and this opportunity that I have to preach. I mean, we understand sacrifices take place. You know, hey, look, you know, I, I know I'm in Canada, but obviously an American and I thank God for our country. And even though there are many things we've done to offend God, I think of even to get to the point where we were in the night. We are in the United States of America, even with the Declaration of Independence, that 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence. I believe it was. Let me get the numbers right. Five of them were captured and tortured to the death. Twelve had kids that died in the Revolution Army. Nine of them themselves were killed in battle. And one of the last guys that signed the Declaration of Independence, he was at his house, somebody came, burned it down. Him and his 13 kids fled for their wi- fled for their lives. You see, even people thinking about doing just ventures out understand that it comes with sacrifice. And what he's saying is, if you're not willing to bear your, if you're willing to come after me, you know what? You're going to have to count the cost of your own life. Your own life. You know, it's so often. <laughs> I I go to churches and people. You know, and I don't want to make light of this, so please, please, I don't want to make light, but I do want you to understand something, because I don't think the devil's anybody's fool, is, you know, a lot of times I go to church, churches, and people will say, well, the reason, what do you think about the rising, taking things, taking place in the Middle East, and ISIS, and different things, and especially during certain times, and man, big, big talk. And uh, they said, it's going to come one day that uh, you're going to come to this church. You're not going to be able to meet freely as you are. And, and listen to me, those days could be very much upon, uh, very much in the future. But do you know what's interesting to me is that when we think about it, when I think about it a lot, you know, the devil understands if somebody came in this room and, and they had a gun and, and they, they said, you know what, if, if you profess Christ right now and inside this room, we're going to make sure that you die. We're going to kill you on the spot. And some people ask me the proverbial question, Adrian, if they put a gun to your head right now, what would you do? What would you do, Adrian? How would you stand up? What would you make? You know, I think sometimes we jump the gun. No, here's what I mean. You know, the devil knows it does not take a gun to our head to make us renounce Christ. All it takes is a football game on Sunday for the church to renounce Christ. All it takes is a hockey game. Are you serious? It doesn't take guns. It doesn't take violence. It just takes pleasure. (laughs) It just takes, hey, got some overtime for you, and you're going to be making double and more. All it takes is that. doesn't take all these extra little tools from Satan. All the devil must do is give us pleasure to please ourselves. Suddenly, You know Christ. (laughs) You look at it and says, hey, if you're going to come after me, man, be willing to take up your own cross because it may possibly cost you your life, your ambitions, your plans, your dreams, your desires. Man, I love driven people. I am a driven person myself. And I have to be very careful because, man, I can plow the road and I can go down hard down that road. But listen to me. Even those people that speak that are very, very driven, have I ever in my life taken those goals, taken those ambitions, and taken those desires and laid them before God? and say, God, it's your choice of what I do with this. It's your call how I use this. Man, I remember being so gung-ho. Man, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do this. And, and even in good things. You know, David wanted to do a good thing. He wanted to build the temple. But even that, he had to set it before God and say, God, is this what you want me to do? And God said, no. And so many times have we taken what we perceive to be good and set it before God and say, God, I'm willing to do whatever you'd have me to do. 
I'm willing to take whatever steps you would have me to take. So often before people make moves or or do different things, man, the, the finding the church is one of the last things on their list to do. Man, so many times when people begin to do make job changes or whatever it be, man, just because it gets you up the corporate ladder doesn't mean that that's what God have you to do. What I'm saying is many times I've watched men neglect their families. And, honey, you may make it to the top of that corporate ladder, but you might get down from that ladder and realize you ain't got a family at the bottom of that ladder. And what I'm saying is you've got to be so careful in our life to make sure that every decision so bathed in prayer. You know, Ever didn't pray about something? Think about AI. <laughs> Ever didn't think about that, did they? Remember, the, they just finished up a great battle. Now they're going to take little puny little AI without praying about it. Without asking God about it. And 36 men lost their lives. You see, there's two kids back there that I can't sacrifice. I can't play that gamble with. There's a wife back there that God, I can't play that gamble with. And dad, if you're a dad inside this house, that's a gamble you cannot play with. Every decision I lay at the feet of an almighty God and say, God, I surrender what I have and whatever you choose, I do. You know, I I say, you know, many times we talk about our lives and and giving our lives. Like I said, we think about the area of pleasure, but also think about the area of our life of just physical, just, you know, pleasure over here, but also just our literal physical life. You know, but before I start using the word sacrifice so often in this side of the globe and, and where we are and the homes that we live in across the states here in Canada as well, you know, many times I got to be careful how often I use that word. I understand we make sacrifices in this world, but honey, I got brothers right now in China being boiled in oil alive. All right. So I'd be very careful how I throw around the word sacrifice. There are people right now being strapped to rocks and thrown off to the edge of the cliff. There are people right now who are being laid out in the street and being run over by steamrollers. And so what I'm saying is for their faith. So what I'm saying is before I began to tell God how much I'm sacrificing for him because I took a pay cut to make sure that I was here on Sunday. Just be careful. Just be careful how we throw that around so freely. We all make sacrifices. I'm saying that sometimes God asks for our life. This thinned out the crowd. Pretty powerful message, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, he went from having this huge group of people to, you read, and just, he had some people with him. Some stragglers that we're still following. Listen, I asked you folks, so far I'm my disciple. You know, I enjoy history. That King Xerxes there in Persia was having a, a war in, um, in Greece. And I think they're, they're on a boat. Um, and as they were going on the boat, he, him and, his, and the, the troops that were on there, um, what happened was they got into a terrible storm. They had lightened the boat. So they took all the supplies and threw them overboard. King Xerxes still, his men looked at him and says, Xerxes says, the boat's still too heavy, still too heavy. He says, well, how about we got to still lighten the boat somehow? And he, he looked to his men, his army. And he said, I need for y'all to, I need for y'all to lighten this boat. Those men knew exactly what that meant. So one by one, those men jumped to their death. Jumped to their death. Until that boat was light enough to get their king over to safety. Man, if a human king can demand that kind of loyalty, who can give nothing, in return of spiritual value. How is it that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords looks at a crowd? Follow me that cost your life. Okay. He's gone too far. He's asked way too much. If I say that I truly am saved by the grace of God, and I truly want to show my thanksgiving for a debt that I could never pay. What I'm saying is, 
Understand, he, he continues to say, for which of you building intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it. I'm not sure if you're like me in this case, but if I'm going to do something before a youth rally starts, before if I do a revival or whatever, usually I sit down with the pastor or the youth pastor or whatever, and I play 20 questions. I ask them everything. What do I do? Where do you want me to stand? Where do you want me to be? Do you want me to you have the invitation? You want me to do the invitation? Do you want me to say this? Do you want to do this? Do you want me to make announcements? Do you want me to run a game? Do you want, I ask every question. I want to know what I'm getting into before I start. You know, Jesus is saying to them, I want you to know what you're getting into before you start. It's not a game. One more thing. He continues down. So he says, this is Christ's words, verse 26. So if you're not willing to count the cost of your family, you're going to have to love me supremely. He says in verse 27, whosoever does not bear his cross, who does bear his cross, who's not willing to count the cost of his own life. And then lastly, in verse 33, he says another bold statement. He says this, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. <laughs> he cannot be my disciple. You know, I think a lot of times I like to explain away the celery thing you have passages. I think we do. Now I get it. I get it. God does not ask everybody to do it. He does not. But I think we really do expl- explain away what Christ is asking here. You say, what are you, what are you trying to say? Now, when Jesus came to Peter, well, before he was a disciple, he looked at Peter and he was mending his nets. <coughs> As he was fixing his nets, Christ came to him and basically he told him to follow me. As he said, follow me, he gave him an instruction. He looked back at Peter and said, leave your nets behind. Remember, he told him very clearly, leave them behind. Now, for Peter, as he's mending them, he looks at them, he looks at Jesus. He says, follow. Oh, I can follow. Let me take my nets. Let me take my net. No, Jesus says, leave him behind. Look at this net. This net is how he made money. This net is how he fed his family. This net meant everything to him. And if he knew, leaving this net, leaving this behind, it's a big choice. I'm not saying Christ is asking you that, but let me give you, I love illustrations. This might be my favorite, okay? I'll ask you a question, then I'm going to give you an illustration, and then I'll ask you the question again. Ready? Here's the question. If God asks you to sell everything you have and go to the mission field and spend your entire life there, would you do it? Stop there. Let me ask you a question. Let me give you an illustration. Um, my wife, I grew up with all brothers, and so when I got married, I didn't know what entailed of doing women's hair. I walked to the bathroom, and I saw a craftsman's toolbox, and I was like, wow, they use all this stuff, you know? And I remember as I was in there, and I was walking around, and I was like, my goodness. My wife asked me, she's like, hey, I want to get my hair done, like, perm, professionally permed. Before I permed her hair, before she went natural, we, we would work together, and I would perm her hair. But she was like, you know what? She wants to get it done. And I was like, all right. And so she said, I want to go to Sylvia. Now, Sylvia charges <clears throat> Sylvia kind of money, you know? And, and so I thought to myself, you know, well, okay, it's splurge, we're going to splurge, go for it, baby, go get your hair done. And so it was near Easter, and uh, I, I forgot about it. And, uh, she, and so I got, we were getting closer, and I thought to myself, it was like a day before Easter, and I said, ah, oh, wait, I forgot. I forgot. Did you get that appointment with Sylvia? 
And she said, because I said, I'll watch Jazz and make sure I have everything taken care of. She said, oh, I forgot to tell you. I tried, I tried, but Sylvia was booked. And so I wasn't able to get the hair appointment in. Now, at the end of that little story I just told you, do you know who the hero was? You're looking at him. <laughs> do you know how much money I paid? <laughs> now, listen close. What made the difference? I was willing to do it. I was willing to do it. I didn't have to. Didn't have to. I mean, Sylvia wasn't available. I mean, it was legit. I couldn't do it. But I was willing. Let me ask the question again. If God asks you to sell everything you have and go to the mission field and spend your life there, would you do it? Would you be willing to do it? The answer that you truly answer in your heart is whether or not you can truly say, I surrender all. Say, Adrian, I'm not ministering. I didn't ask about ministry. I'm just asking, are you willing to say, God, I will do anything? Yes. Why did this crowd run away and leave? Because first, he insults the family. Man, you got crazy. Fuck the family. And then he says, nextly, man, you might die. Some people can handle that. I might die. Okay, I got to love you supremely. I did it. But then you're going to talk about my money. <laughs> you're going to talk about my security. You're going to talk about the way. Now, no, no, no further. Many people go about when you talk about their security. The thing that so often the area that God is the owns a cow on a thousand hills is the very reason why there are so many people that God tugs upon their heart for ministry or tugs on their heart for different things. And this right here is the stumbling block. You know, you know I, as, as I close, I, I think of a story because a lot of times... Adrian, you preach to, you preach to teenagers and you tell them surrender because their life, you want them to surrender life. Yeah, and I do. And I make no bones about it. Yeah, I, I, when I was here, when I was preaching to your teenagers, did I challenge them in giving their all to Christ? Absolutely. But nothing magical happens just because you cross over the 30 threshold. It doesn't mean that God no longer then calls people to do anything any longer. I think of a missionary in Honduras right now that God called him at age 40. I think he was 45, between 45, 52 or whatever it was. Then God called him and his wife and they went to a place that had been used to the United States and they went to a place with absolutely no power, no running water, different things. And they have a ministry now of reaching, of having 22 churches reaching in Honduras. So often it's so easy to be able to say what I can't do and what my limitations are instead of saying I can't do, I'm not able to. Man, think about what you can do for God. Okay, fine. Your leg hurts, so you can't do something. Man, some people look at their phone and say, check this out. I can do this, and I can do this, and I can send one button. It can turn to 1,000 people. Man, use it for God. You know, so many things. We brag about things that we have. Look at all this land I got. Use it for God. Man, I can do this with an instrument. Use it for God. What I'm saying is everything that God is from the good hand of God ought to be surrendered at the altar. Now, that was not my conclusion, but this is. <laughs> my brother, when I was at Pensacola... His name's Aaron. He's older than I. He, uh, in our family, there's one thing we didn't like, and it's called pain. <laughs> we still don't like it. And a lot of guys on the weekends would go paintballing. And uh, I heard that paintballs hurt. And so I never went. People would tease me. Are you serious? To this day, I've never been paintballing. Never been paintballing. And the people are like, man, you serious? You're such a wimp, you know? 
And so my older brother, he came back to the room one day. We were roommates, and he said, Adrian, I'm going to go on the activity. I'm going to go paintball. I said, go ahead, man. Man, those guys came back. Look at my shirt, man. Look at that whelp. I'm like, are you insane? You know, what's wrong with you? Anyway, my brother came back, and um, he went, and then he came back. And that night when he came back, he was like, man, Adrian, it was so fun. I said, oh, really? How was it? He said, man, I did did great. I didn't get hit at all. I was like, kind of impressed. Wow, that's pretty cool. I said, "Uh, what'd you do? Oh, man, I went and I ran behind a tree and I stayed there. (laughs) 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 The whole time. (laughs) And that was fun. (laughs) That was fun, huh? You know what happened? Aaron never got hit. And he never hit anybody else, did he? You know, some Christians, <laughs> I'm not really being hurt. I'm not really going through any trials. I don't really have to depend upon God. <laughs> I mean, if you're honest about it, I ain't doing nothing either. I ain't doing nothing either. When's the last time you felt like you had to crucify your flesh to take another step? When you really had to think hard. This is going to be tough. But God, I believe this is what you would have me to do. I'm going to do it. Some guys, man, God's been tugging your heart. Preach, preach. But come on, I got this. I could do this. I'm not saying God's going to say preach. But what I am saying this is that every single person in the house ought to tell God, God, whatever. Now, he may choose. Hey, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on doing it. But isn't a lot more at peace when you know you're doing exactly what God wants you to do instead of what you want to do when I want to surrender all. He says, just count the cost. Count the cost.